0: This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Future Talk Podcast.
1: This is Future Talk. Future Talk.
0: Future Talk with Omnia Saleh and Hani Belkis.
1: Welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse95. It is me, Hani Belkis, with Omnia Saleh, bringing you everything you need to know about what's happening in the tech world, in the UAE, and around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Sunday, fun day, Hope you guys had a very good and well-deserved long weekend. I was in a coma for two days, <laughs> literally.
0: Uh, well, I'm not, that's not a joke. I know, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, you were waiting for this long weekend, and I'm sure a lot of people were so excited for it. But it's always hard to come back to a new work day, a new Sunday after a long weekend. Feel no,
1: that's fine. Fa- I'm actually really excited on you today. Excited? Yes, I am Are well. you not excited I'm, I'm you? so
0: excited. We have a packed show in store for all yeah? of you, starting with the UAE, because we're going to be talking all about the brand new updates that are coming to Al-Husun application. This app has become our lifeline during the COVID-19 pandemic, especially for those living in the Emirate of Abu Dhabi. So what are those new updates and how are they going to be coming in handy? We're going to be sharing all of that in just a few moments. Yes, and Facebook has
1: made headlines once. Again, ladies and gentlemen, as they have encrypted their messenger calls and it is now in a move to kind of, you know, say, hey, (laughs) our calls are private and they're secure and they're encrypted. Kind of weird because you know uh, Facebook does own WhatsApp and WhatsApp has been encrypted for a while now.
0: Yes, indeed. We're also going to be having a very interesting discussion today with Farah Shamu, who is the assistant professor, emerging sc- scholar at NYU University in Abu Dhabi. She has actually done a lot of research in regards to improving breast cancer detection in ultrasound imaging by using artificial intelligence. In the past, we have heavily depended on ultrasounds, but they're not always as accurate as we hope they'd be. So how can we improve the system, and how is artificial intelligence coming in handy? She's going to be telling us all about that in just a few moments.
1: Yes, and also we're talking about a chameleon.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, a you, lizard. <laughs> when, when you hear about chameleon, what do you, what what is the th- first thing that comes to your brain?
0: Camouflage.
1: Me, big eyes. <laughs> you know, you know, you've seen one, right?
0: Yes, I've. Have seen one. Have you ever touched one? Of course not.
1: I've had them on my hand before. Oh my god! Back no. in Florida, so so in, in in Florida, you know, there's a lot of them yeah and you know floridians are kind of crazy
0: they you know, love them? They,
1: ig- iguanas you oh know lizards god. huge lizards in the backyard we used to run after those when we were children but you know i've touched the uh what's it called a the chameleon one? it was pretty big yeah i its know eyes were like that oh my god so crazy it gives me nightmares sometimes but uh today we're talking about how a scientist has designed a robotic chameleon that crawls and even changes colors now synthetic skin that's what all i can t- i can say ladies and gentlemen we're going to be taking a short break but when we come back we're talking all about al husn app and the changes to it that just might
2: change
0: your life Pulse 95
2: daily digital news bits and bytes connect our world
0: As often as you use your social media applications, right here in the UAE, there is one app that there is no way you're not going to find it on every person's phone. And that app is Al-Husun. It has become our lifeline during the COVID-19 pandemic, and a lot of people kind of depend on it to find out their PCR test results, sometimes print out PCR test certificates, as well as use it to enter the Emirate of Abu Dhabi. But today we are talking about an announcement that came regarding this app and how it has actually been updated with some New features, one of them being having the green QR code, which we've always seen, but now it's actually becoming a live QR code, as well as including your travel history, certain certificates, as well as vaccine information.
1: Yes, now the app does feature three colors. We're talking about green, grey, or even red. Now, obviously, green does mean a negative PCR test result is still valid. Mm-hmm. Gray does mean its validity has expired, and red—the color means, you don't want to see—yeah, <laughs> it means the test result is positive. Now, we kind of associate it with the uh, stop sign. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, uh, you know, when you're driving on the road, you see the red light means stop. True. So when you see that, you got to stop, or you gotta go back home, mm-hmm. and quarantine. Hopefully, you guys never get that red sign or red QR go- uh, code again. But starting August 20th, entry to most public places in Abu Dhabi is limited to those who are only vaccinated and exempted from vaccination and participants in vaccine trials. Now, there must be proof, and that proof will be shown via Al-Husun app, and we've been seeing Al-Husun app being used heavily in the UAE, not only to enter Abu Dhabi, but to move around Abu Dhabi. And even at a point going and coming from Abu Dhabi International Airport.
0: Yes, indeed. And now, actually, even right here in the heart of Sharjah, university students are going to be using it heavily. I can tell you for a fact, the American University of Sharjah, they're not going to be allowing any student in. How was it, Omnia? If you don't show the green PCR QR code on upon entry.
1: How was it going back to it? campus?
0: I'm not yet back on campus. We go back mm. on the 29th. But there are so many forms about mm, mm, mm. filling up your COVID I, I return heard, form. I heard there's
1: going to be some classes some
0: almost all actually mm. so I can tell you, so for do you do
1: you think that you will have to you know show your QR code bef- before going into class yeah each
0: class no not each class when you enter the campus the security guard won't let you in oh, without boy. a grant and you have to test every two weeks oh boy so lots of PCRs coming in but what's interesting about the new update that's coming for Al-Husun app is now it's actually going to be able to showcase your vaccination information which is very important now with the return to school and students returning back to university it's also going to be showcasing your travel history so if you've traveled anywhere, anywhere anytime soon it's also going to be showcased on the app as well as the live QR code that we've always been accustomed to what's also interesting is now that people are traveling we've been having Our parents come over. We've been traveling different places. All of those tourists can actually be added to residents' Al-Husun application. So you can actually add your parents, your children to the application itself and showcase their results as part of Al-Husun app, even if they're not old enough to have their own version of Al-Husun app.
1: Yeah, and I do believe because of that update, I got signed out.
0: Oh, right, so I gotta I'll, sign in again. I
1: gotta sign in again, and users can log in using their Emirates ID, Unified ID, or even their phone number. I will be doing that in a couple of minutes. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to know how do you guys feel? I feel much safer, Same. to be honest. I mean, especially for university students, a lot of kids are, you know, there's a lot of memes Omnia, <laughs> online, you know. Be like uh, 2019 senior in high school. Yeah. 2021 sophomore in university, right? And they haven't been on campus for a date.
0: Honey, I've... I think I during my entire masters, I've been to campus on my first but, semester and my last semester. But let's, That's
1: be, it. <laughs> let's be honest Omni. you, as a master's student, you kind of you don't really care about the campus. But
0: you miss, you know, the life of it, you know.
1: Because you're a working person, you True. go, you do this. But you know, for some, for a university yeah. student, you miss out. Who only has university, you know, I feel like a lot of people or a lot of students are like, man. I wish
0: they always tell you they're the best four years of your life if yeah, you've we, had them during them. if yeah if you've had them during COVID you've kind of missed out on some of the most fun years of your life.
1: Well, hopefully soon I do believe by next year mid 2022 we should have life back to normal, but ladies and gentlemen. We're taking a short break, but when we come back,
0: we're talking all about Facebook Messenger introducing more private conversations, and
1: that just might trigger <laughs> something, maybe a lot more privacy concerns. You're listening to Pulse 95.
2: Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world.
0: (laughs) We got so excited.
1: You want to talk about Facebook, Omnia?
0: I want to talk about privacy.
1: Oh, I know Omnia, ladies and gentlemen, she's very keen on her privacy, you know? I'm, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg wants to know
0: Everything Everything
1: about Omnia Saleh.
0: Everything about future talk.
1: No, I, I don't think he's very interested in me I think he's interested in you a lot
0: I think we're all interested in privacy And that's why we're talking about Facebook Messenger And how yeah. they're actually rolling out encrypted calls nowadays Which I have a lot of thoughts Regarding on how encryption kind of goes a thought or thoughts? Thoughts Okay Thoughts, to be more specific But, you know, whenever we're talking on voice calls, video calls A lot of people are actually very wary They, they take their precautions whenever they're on these calls Whenever they're talking about certain things You always, I, I personally have heard a lot of relatives say Oh, a lot of people are listening on this conversations." You know, well, I mean,
1: it's, it, it's very funny, I'll tell you why Why? Because, you know, as soon as you said calls and talking on the phone yeah. It reminded me of our conversation last week Okay, see <laughs> so, You know, when people start screaming when they When you ta-
0: talk internationally.
1: Internationally, right? And then I was like, man, Hanny, don't laugh, right? She doesn't know. It. She got to laugh, too. And then you said relatives. Yeah. And then, you know, it kind of put the icing on the cake.
0: It's the same situation same sit- once again. Same situation. You
1: know, there is an inside joke mm. with, you know, hey, they're listening to us, right? Mm. And it's been an inside joke for as long as I can tell. I mean, even when we're gaming sometimes. You know, only it's went to that point. Yeah. So I have friends who use hacks on games.
0: Okay. Right? They'll
1: yeah. hack a game. You know, like Cheat
2: codes. Cheat codes. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: they'll be, they want an aimbot. They want to get an insta-kill. Yeah. So I'd be like, hey, man, that hack is working really good. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't say it. It's not a hack. It's not a hack. I'm like, dude, what's, what's wrong? He's like, they're, they're listening to oh us. Oh, my God. Right? So, I mean, that that is, that is the new inside joke. Or, you know, I don't think it's an inside joke anymore at this mm. point. A lot of people kind of say it publicly. But, you know, Facebook on Friday has actually began rolling out encryption for voice or even video calls that are made through its application, which is called Messenger. And it's actually a texting app and even a calling and video calling app, which is, you know, uh, embodied into Facebook app.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, when we talk about encryption, a lot of people are like, what is encryption and how does it make a difference on our own privacy? Encryption basically means it's kind of like whenever you send out a message from your phone, it's in a secret code until it receives or it's received by the person you are sending it to. So the only people who are capable of reading that message is yourself and the person who receives it this is exactly what facebook is trying to do with messenger calls texts you name it they want conversations to be fully protect protected from the moment they leave your device until you they reach the receiver's device this does mean that no one should be able to find out what it is that you're talking about including facebook facebook says that they're not going to be listening on to conversations or what chats so are So they being were doing sent.
1: it before Like, hey, we're not going to listen to you guys anymore. I mean... We've learned
0: our mistake.
1: And, you know, you guys guys don't talk about anything interesting anyways. (laughs) Right? So, you know, we're just giving you that encrypted, you know, that privacy feel.
0: The thing is, a lot of people expect that their calls and chats are already encrypted. You know? Some people don't realize that Facebook, WhatsApp kind of listen to conversations, Mm -hmm. especially when they say that they're training their artificial intelligence, most of the time it's on chats, it's on our own commands to these applications. But now Facebook has been testing, encrypting group chats and calls on the application itself, as well as direct messages on Instagram. So they're also planning to introduce encryption over there, which makes me wonder, why has it not been there since the get-go?
1: I mean, what kinda of, what kind of content do you talk about on Instagram, right? I mean if it's a... you know, I feel like Instagram is very broad. True. You don't have, you know, those interpersonal connections or conversations on Instagram.
0: But at the end of the day, it's does anyone even use Instagram video calling? DMs, I'm talking there, about. There is
1: video calling. Yeah, there is, but, but I don't feel anyone like use anyone
0: that? uses it, honestly.
1: Right? Let's know your guys' thoughts for two one five do or a salat or on Instagram at post ninety five radio. We're taking a short break, but when we come back,
0: we're talking all about using artificial intelligence to better detect breast cancer cases. How is that going to be coming in handy? We're going to be having a very interesting conversation with the assistant professor, emerging scholar at NYU University in Abu Dhabi, Farah Shamout, who's going to be giving us all the details in just a few moments.
1: Yes, keep Pulse95 locked because we're going to be right back.
0: Pulse95. Check this out. Check this out. Pulse95 the big c word cancer that's always a topic that a lot of people doctors everyone is trying to fight at the moment and ever since it became a part of our lives but with breast cancer in specific Rates have been great when it comes to surviving it, to beating that type of cancer, and it all depends on early detection. Mm -hmm. The early detection of breast cancer, especially in women, is very important so that they can better manage the disease. But with all the different ways of detecting breast cancer, there are still some change and some improvement that could be made, especially when we talk about using artificial intelligence to Mm -hmm. better detect breast cancer. Joining us today is Assistant Professor Emerging Scholar at NYU University in Abu Dhabi, Farah has actually completed a lot of studies and has done so much research on how we can better manage and detect breast cancer by using AI. Thanks a lot for joining us.
2: Thank you, Amia, for
0: having
1: me. Welcome to the show, Paula. Now, you. you know, we hear a lot about breast cancer, and you know, a lot of even a, a lot of people are affected by it. And you know, when I hear the word breast cancer, then automatically I think of the celebrity Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm right and I, well, I don't know what's the procedure they do with uh, they, to combat it
0: Ma- detecting it Detect- or treating it treating it I think mammograms and ultrasounds are yeah. the most well used no
1: I okay but uh, you mean uh, the
0: surgery the surgery oh, yes oh yes okay
1: yeah. So uh, that, no, that was just the thing that comes to yeah. mind. But, you know, when discussing uh, detecting breast cancer, mammograms and ultrasounds are, we you know, the most widely used techniques for early detection. Now, however, we do know that mammography is not always available in those low resource settings and ultrasound images do tend to lead to a lot of false positive and unnecessary bypopsies. Now, I want to ask you, Farah, why does ultrasound imaging sometimes fail these patients?
2: Great question. Um, so going back to mammography, mammography is considered as the most popular screening tool for uh, breast cancer. Mm-hmm. But the issue with mammography is that um, it doesn't work really well for women with dense breast tissue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where ultrasound comes to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, ultrasound is, works better for women with breast, uh, dense breast tissue. And it's actually considered as a supplementary mm-hmm. modality to -hmm. Um, Mammography. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the issue with ultrasound is that there is a lot of intra reader variability because the um, lesions that are in the breast could vary in terms of size, shape, etc. So, this leads to um, a lot of false positives Mm -hmm. because ultrasound, the way one radiologist would interpret the ultrasound, could be different different from another. Um, and hence it could lead to false positives and then unnecessary biopsies which are completely uncomfortable to women. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, now a big
0: question that comes to the mind is how can artificial intelligence help counter that? How can we use it to improve the way that, whether it was radiologists or even just
2: ultrasound machines kind of detect uh, breast cancer tissues? So with a largely sufficient data set, AI could learn from patterns in those enormous data sets in order to better detect cancer in images that it could see at inference time. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we're trying to achieve in our work is to actually assist radiologists. So we want AI to be sort of an additional tool Mm -hmm. that can help them augment and improve their decision making. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to be taking a short break. Yeah. And I
1: I believe with machine learning Mm -hmm. as well. I mean. There won't be as much false positives or if True. any at all, because obviously you're feeding the AI that information and it should be detected, uh, you know, uh, truly. But we're, again, we're going to be taking a short break. And when we come back,
0: we're talking all about how this artificial intelligence is going to be kind of mimicking the way the radi- radiologists would basically read an ultrasound. If you have any questions for Farah Shamut, make sure you share them with us at 4215. Do it to Salat or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse
2: 95.
1: This is Future Talk.
0: Future Talk. Future Talk with Amyal Saleh and Hany balkis. Today we're talking all about early detection of breast cancer. And for those of you who don't know, breast cancer is actually the second most diagnosed cancer in women. It affects one Mm -hmm. in eight women in the United States and definitely in different parts around the world. But whenever we're talking about cancer, early detection is always key because it could personally or first off help kind of treating that type of cancer, but also it increases the survival rate. Today we're talking all about detecting breast cancer with using AI. Joining us today is Farah Shamout, who is Assistant Professor Emerging Scholar at NYU University in Abu Dhabi. She has done a lot of research and many studies on real-life data uh, when it comes to kind of improving how ultrasounds read breast cancer imaging by using artificial intelligence. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you.
1: Hope you're having a good time on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I just actually learned that men can get breast cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Farah. Told us uh, during the break it's possible, and now I
0: didn't know. You I, were I surprised. Yeah,
1: I kind of got scared <laughs> for a second. I was like, no. Ch-
0: i'm at risk i'm at risk, well. risk too yeah um farah we wanted to ask you a little bit about how this artificial intelligence is capable of reading ultrasound images now we know that with radiologists they kind of do the ultrasound imaging they take some time they generate a report and a lot of the times different radiologists can interpret these images in different ways so how does the ai interpret these images and does it create a more standard way of reading those images when it comes to
2: comparing it by how humans do it? Mm-hmm. So just to give you some context uh, for the listeners, an ultrasound exam consists of several images that mm-hmm. the ult- that's collected through using the ultrasound probe. And so we try to design our AI, or what we call a deep neural network, um, or you can also think about it as an algorithm, mm-hmm. uh, to sort of assess those images in a similar way to a radiologist. So what the radiologist does is that they look through roughly all the images with an ultrasound exam mm-hmm. for abnormal findings. And in a similar way, our network first looks through all the images within an ultrasound exam and generates a, let's say, prediction, a per-image prediction on whether there is a breast, um, if there is malignancy or malignant tumor. Um, Which are basically like the bad cancer. Yeah, the cancerous yeah The, ba- the cancer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then the what the radiologist does next is that they actually... Uh, concentrate on the images that they think would contain those suspicious lesions or it mm. would contain cancer and similarly our network then combines the information it receives from all those images but then it uh, assigns attention scores mm. or sort of let's call them important scores, scores to each image in order to prioritize the images that contain uh, the most useful information mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then eventually the uh, radiologist just combines uh, all the information that they've assessed through the images in order to come up with a full diagnosis. And our network does the same and it comes up with a breast level prediction from those image level predictions that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we tried to sort of mimic the radiologist decision making process as much as
0: possible. But it's interesting that you mentioned that there are basically like scores. So this at least I feel like would give some room of error or at least some kind of forgiveness when it comes to these scores. So these scores just showcase this is a higher rate or higher risk mm. of this tumor being malignant mm. or cancerous versus this tumor being
2: you know non-cancerous no need to pay attention so like a to scale it. right yeah yeah it's you can think about it as a probability estimate so it's like 10 mm. percent versus 90 percent and mm. this illustrates the models or the ai's confidence in True. its assessment
1: so so let's say for example ai detects 70 percent um, that it might be breast cancer right well then a human go over it
2: that's the plan so okay. we i'm personally not uh, still convinced that we can uh, rely on ai fully mm. i think mm. it needs to be a hybrid sort of relationship between mm. the ai and the human radiologist
1: and how long have you guys been working on to create this ai
2: uh we started working on this in february 2020 so just mm. before the pandemic and uh, we recently released our paper um on archives so if you're mm-hmm. interested in reading more you can find more details there and That's
1: you know nice. you, you did mention the COVID 19 pandemic was it a little bit hard you know working throughout the pandemic
2: it was definitely hard um one advantage of our research is that we can all do it all remote so because it's computational mm. we can access our servers remotely And it actually motivated us to work on research related to detecting COVID-19 related deterioration Mm. using real world data. And that's Mm. something we're actually going to be
0: touching upon in just a few moments. Um, Going back to your study, I found one thing interesting, which is the fact that you were able to compare the performance of the trained network, the algorithm, the AI, to about 10 board certified breast radiologists. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a
2: little bit about the study and which was able to outperform the other? Sure, so we selected um, around 663 exams, full ultrasound exams, and we asked the radiologists to go through those exams and uh, assign a probability where they think there's cancer within a breast. Um, And we even provided them with additional information like the patient's age and the Brinton annotations that are around an ultrasound image. And then we compared the performance of the AI with those 10 radiologists on the same set of mm. 600, around 600 images, mm-hmm. exams. And um, the AI achieved a higher performance in terms of both sensitivity and specificity. And then the most exciting part is that we actually tried combining the uh, predictions of the um, AI with the average reader. Mm-hmm. And that even boosted the performance of the readers even further. So this really emphasizes the point that the future of integrating AI into healthcare is to combine the predictions of both the human um, clinician or the practitioner with the AI models. And I like Mm -hmm. this because it does not mean that
0: just using AI is going to put doctors at rest. We're not going to be depending on them, but rather it's kind of like a collaboration between both getting... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean, mean,
1: this isn't the first time we've seen AI being used in the medical field, Uh, Omni and I have talked about it a lot, how AI will help doctors, aid doctors, you know, kind of like an assistant. To that doctors but again uh I, I do believe at one point in time a lot of things or will be you know heavily dependent on Shifting. ai yeah in general
0: yes indeed coming up on today's show we're also going to be talking about another use of ai artificial intelligence was actually capable of kind of detecting whether or not a covid19 patient's case will be deteriorating over time how is that coming in handy we're going to be talking about it in just a few moments with Farah Shamoud. so if you have any questions make sure you share them with us at four two one five Dorit Salat or sign into RDMs at Pulse ninety five Radio.
1: Yes, but don't go look for. You're listening to
0: Pulse ninety five. Pulse ninety five.
1: This is Future Talk. Future Talk.
0: Future Talk with Omnyal Saleh and Henry Balcaz. At the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, doctors, nurses, everyone working in the healthcare industry, they were kind of struggling to know how to prioritize patients. Mm -hmm. We had a limited number of beds, limited number of care because we had so many cases. And it was a very big struggle trying to find out which do you prioritize? Who do you give a respirator to? Who do you give the bed to? And a lot of people actually lost their lives because there was just not enough support for them. But using artificial intelligence can definitely come in handy to prepare for a disaster. So we're going to be talking all about how AI is actually helping us detect how COVID-19 patients and when they're going to be deteriorating so that we can better prepare for their care. Joining us today is Farah Shamout, who has actually done a lot of research when it comes to this topic, especially during her work on using artificial intelligence to better detect uh, breast cancer imaging. And cancer detection in general. You have actually worked on this research prior to COVID-19 but actually during the pandemic and I feel like this might have actually helped you prepare and help us during the COVID-19 pandemic. So can you talk to us a little bit more about your research?
2: Sure so um, during the actually before the pandemic I had completed my PhD in AI for Detection of Deterioration on Hospital Awards at the University of Oxford and um, So when the pandemic first started, I felt like my work is very useful because during the pandemic, especially in the emergency department, Mm -hmm. uh, it was very difficult to triage patients efficiently uh, because patients, um, once they arrive to the ED, as you mentioned, there's there's like low resources in general because there are so many patients arriving at the same time. So what we wanted to do then is to actually use uh, chest x-ray imaging Mm -hmm. to help in patient triage COVID-19 patients. And um, that's because the disease COVID-19 mainly manifests in the chest. And so we used, we developed a deep neural network that uh, looks into the chest and predicts whether a patient would deteriorate Mm. as in um, die or go into the ICU or even require mechanical ventilation within the next 24 to 96 hours. And we developed the system using patient data collected in New York from Real COVID-19 patients, and mm-hmm. the results are quite promising, and illustrate the potential of AI in patient triage. That's amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, mm-hmm. what kind of influenced you to study AI?
2: A uh, very good question. Um, so I was always, I was always passionate about uh, STEM subjects, I mm-hmm. would say. And the first time I tried programming, I was really amazed by the impact of technology and the future of technology uh, uh, in our lives. So um, I got into computer programming and then I became interested in AI and data science, Mm -hmm. but I was also very passionate about healthcare Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, of uh, primarily personal experiences Mm -hmm. with uh, relatives who um, struggled with the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Some of them had cancer. And so I was really determined to work on something that would really improve and advance patient care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is how I ended up in AI and healthcare. Beautiful. Beautiful, honestly. And especially now more than ever, we've actually seen the role of innovation
0: when it comes to the healthcare industry. It has saved the lives of many, and we are only witnessing kind of a snippet of what's gonna be coming in just the near future
1: yes and Farah we do appreciate your work I mean again this will change lives for a lot of people hopefully inshallah and again uh, I commend you and I, and I and I'm proud of you you know.
2: Thank you. <laughs> and
1: we're looking forward to see what's next for Farah.
0: Absolutely, Farah Shamud, assistant professor and emerging scholar at NYU Abu Dhabi. Thanks a lot for joining us, and we wish you the very best in all of your future endeavors.
2: Thank you both for having me.
1: Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. Hopefully soon we'll see you again with something new. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude Future Talk for today. I hope you guys did have a lot of fun and it was interesting uh, for you guys. I mean, I was very, you know, I was very focused today, right? It was a very heavy. I, I learned. I learned a lot of new show. stuff right true. and you know i'm i'm very i pay close attention when it's something that is new to me true this is all new to me so again thank you for <laughs> you know you taught me a lot today Thanks.
0: <laughs> we hope you all also benefited from the show and we wish you a very productive start to your week catch us again tomorrow same time same place only here on F- pulse
1: it's okay only here on <laughs> future talk only on pulse <laughs> 95